This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian politics and news with plenty of crispy memes. We're also the official podcast of the Ozpol shitposting Facebook group, so if you like memes, if you like posts, uh, you can head over there and, and get into some hashtag discourse. My name's Noon, uh, and with me is my co-host... Hey, Zach Snack. It's nice to have a little uh, Zach and Noon exclusive episode. Zach and Noon talk about the news. That's right. It's been, yeah, like a month since we've had a regular show. We've just had some sick mm. guests uh, become available, so that's been really exciting. Um, I hope and you're... Noon really wanted to talk about the Bible. I really want to talk that. about the Bible. Yeah, that's true. That was, that was less essential, but I enjoyed it, so I hope you all did too. Uh, and some people who have apparently enjoyed our last couple of episodes are our brand new patrons, members of the Snack Pack. We've got Zip Durango, who signed up for $10.69. Nice, nice. Uh, Very nice. Uh, you'll have an enamel toast pin coming out into the mail to you soon. Uh, and also to Jesse and Harriet. So thank you all for signing up. Uh, you get a bonus uh, episode each month. And we, this month's one should be coming out in the next week or so. So look forward to that. It'll um, be in the next, like... Two days, because it has to come out this month. <laughs> this <dude>. month, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're really behind. Sorry, guys. Um, one other little thing. I did a workshop on what is capitalism this week as part of the Blockade IMARC conference, which is cool, and I might end up running that conf- that uh, workshop again at, at some point that's not part of Blockade IMARC. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, still don't nice. know what capitalism is, but uh, it, it was cool. Some real effort posting. Yeah, for me. real, for real. Uh, and I wanted to issue a couple of corrections <laughs> to last week's episode, both of which came from me. Uh, both the errors came from me. So if, when I was talking about RoboDebt last week, I said that the law firm handling the class action was Slater and Gordon. I was wrong. In fact, it's Gordon Legal, mm. a completely unrelated Gordon, a different legal Gordon. It's somewhat related, but not actually related. As in, I've... this Gordon used to work for Slater and Gordon... But and then was, left, not, the not related Gordon. to the Gordon. Yeah, yeah. And now set no. up a new one, Gordon Legal, that also yes. does basically the same stuff as Slater and Gordon. Unrelated Gordons, related <laughs> Gordon Legals. Like, in my defense, it's There's no confusing, fucking reason that you should know but, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, in whatever the opposite of my defense is, uh, I shouldn't have got that wrong. So my bad. And thank you to eagle-eared listener Aiden for mm-hmm. um, setting us straight on that one. Um, I also wanted to apologize again <laughs> for my bad maths. In the interview I did with David Kelly about uh, the big housing build and the social housing spend uh, last week, and uh, I like it was just really embarrassing listening back to it. And like I knew that I had done some silly stuff, but it, I didn't realize how quite quite how bad it was because when David was trying to explain how when social housing when public housing gets replaced with community housing, but community housing only has to take seventy five percent. Of, of their residents from the public housing register, I, like, jumped in and, like, spoke over him to do the completely incorrect calculation when he was trying to say that, like, where there was, you know, over 400 homes before, there were going to be less than 400. 
uh, after this redevelopment and thereby get a net loss. Uh, so if that wasn't clear, sorry about that. That's just 100% me being extremely silly. Look, Zach, in your defense, if I had been doing that interview, I would have got that math significantly more wrong than you did. So don't stress. It's hard to imagine how you could have, but I appreciate <laughs> the support nonetheless. <laughs> Listeners, you should have seen our attempt at figuring out you know, how long the each story is going to run for today. That's like adding <laughs> increments of five up to 60. And uh, yeah, we, 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 had a, we had an issue. Anyway. Several, several issues. After that rocky start to the show, why don't we move on to a positivity corner? Positivity corner. Okay. Yeah, so this is... Uh, there's been a lovely week uh, of posting and memes uh, in the Ospol shit posting Facebook group. Um, there's yeah, there's been some high octane shit posting from lots of people, and um, we're we're going to talk about quite a few memes this week. Um, but I just wanted to give a couple shout outs for people making that group a nice place uh, for their inventive posting, uh, community maintenance. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, Moths um, made an ABC alignment based classes table uh, of like all the ABC journalists, um, which really uh, was specifically designed in order to put. Virginia Trioli at neutral neutral, which will become relevant. Like the joke, later yeah, on. yeah. Just keep keep put a pin in that one, listener. Moths actually said that they were worried that people thought that this was their actual alignment chart that they had made, but they had <laughs> actually got this like these nine photos of journalists all together, and then just put the alignment chart around the outside <laughs> so that they didn't actually edit it at all. <laughs> Uh, also, Moths did a nice little uh, shitpost of the week of our heart. We're not at shitpost of the week, just to be clear, but there was one of our heart. Uh, of, like, um, you know, Spider-Man pointing at each other, but it was, instead of Spider-Man's head, little toast enamel pins, because um, it was me and Zach interacting with each other on social media. Um, like, as in both of us using the Snackpot account to talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. <laughs> it's becoming more of an issue recently. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever see anything cringe getting posted on Twitter, that's noon. If you see anything uh-huh. cringe getting posted on Facebook, that's me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. If you see anything posted <laughs> on Instagram, that's Zach. Okay, so uh, then Callum Simpson uh, shared a post from Andy, a medic MP of Andy and someone else and Daniel Andrews standing around at a pub. Uh, I know who that person is, and oh, they were a listener at one point. Oh, now. really? Who is it? Yeah. I'm not. That's one of Andy's staffers. Oh, I'm gotcha. not cool. going to shout them out. Like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Know. Yep, yep. I'm not going to dox them. <laughs> yep. But if uh, you're listening, hey, hey, what up? Thanks for featuring in this meme. Um, yeah, and Andy said, "Cheers to the most animal-friendly budget in Victorian history." Uh, and Callum said, "Please caption this awkward photo bomb." And there were a bunch of real good ones of you know Daniel Andrews being like, "Oh, you guys got any papers? How about a filter?" <laughs> uh, things like that. Uh, actually, do you have any tobacco as well? <laughs> Uh, Renee Louise Sampson um, did one of those meme checkpoints brighten my day with the 7th picture in your gallery it was really nice uh, as of recording there were 266 comments so you know good job Renee love love a bit of meme content Travis DeVries uh, (laughs) meme lord extraordinaire and and co-host of the Bro Originals podcast and and many other things um, did a nice edit of a story that we actually unfortunately won't get a chance to talk about uh, Twiggy Forrest. There's, there's an Australian article titled uh, "Twiggy Forrest or Andrew Forrest hailed as the voice for Indigenous people," uh, and Travis has put his face on it, and so it says Travis DeVries hailed as the voice for Indigenous, which yeah, very good. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, there's so many more. I, 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 
I'll just do one more, which is from Ben Volchok, who um, posted in the group about how the Andrew Bolt supporters group got mad at him because Andrew Bolt acknowledged that Joe Biden had won the American election. And so it's now become the Peter Credlin support group. Uh, uh, and so Ben Volchok so made one of those friendship ended memes. Friendship ended with Andrew. Now Peter is my best friend. So yeah, it's been some good shit. My phone um, auto suggested to me the other day, um, <laughs> the word Credlin in like all caps <laughs> um, with several extra letters because apparently I love sending that to people so much because, uh, I mean, yeah, it's hilarious that, that like Peter Credlin is one of the most entertaining people in um, what I guess <laughs> technically politics. But, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, but look, all of these nice positive community posts pale in comparison to the real shit posting that's been going on this week. So, Zach, why don't we move on to our Broken Clock segment? Say what you will about Pauline. Cory Bernardi's right about this You know, one. you have to hand it to ISIS. I don't normally agree with Channel 7. <laughs> yeah, so normally this segment is reserved for people who Noonan and I think are shit and disagree with 99% of the time who occasionally accidentally say a good thing. Hmm. In this case, it's more like somebody who we find... Well, is a shit person for sure, but we just find chronically unfunny and has ac- accidentally done something funny instead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's probably familiar with this tweet at this point. Um, this one is from Friendly Geordies. He says, Sorry for the very cringe post, but I just have to get this on the record. I will never kill myself, and it is extremely unlikely that I will have an accident. Hearing some people might not be too happy with the work we're doing. Uh, one of the things I noticed when stuff. I was doing, believe it or not, research for this <laughs> story, story. <laughs> was that he posted the same thing word for word on Facebook, except he said, sorry for the very strange post. Yes, instead he of He changed the wording for Twitter. Mm. This man understands social media. He understands his audiences. He knows that people on Twitter don't like cringe. So he heads them off at the pass. Expert move. Level 10 shit posting. Um, so this is in the wake of him releasing another video full of jokes about the fact that John Barillaro is Italian. Uh, it's about the fact that, uh, like Barillaro and a couple of members of his family were involved in what looks like this scam, basically, where they like a dodgy business deal. Yeah. They did some dodgy business shit where they basically bought an Italian social club and then, like, put the club in a whole bunch of debt so that they could flip the property for a profit. And, yeah, seems pretty fucked. Barilaro was a massive piece of shit. As far as the investigation goes, it's actually pretty good. It was Yeah, I was, in... I was impressed. He, he posted on his Facebook or something, like, stay tuned for an expose tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh, God, is this just going to him, be him, like, being like, oh, Gladys smells bad. Um, but to be fair, I think it actually does technically count as an expose. So good on you, Geordies. That's another, this is a double broken clock. Um, well, he, yeah, and it was this, it, it, important to note that it was done hmm. in collaboration with uh, a journalist, Someone called Callum Foote. This was published yeah. in Michael West Media, who I don't know anything about. Yeah, so um, Michael West was a is a journalist, an Australian journalist. He used to work for The Australian and for Fairfax, and he was laid off from Fairfax a couple of years ago um, and started his own sort of indie journalism thing. They mostly focus mm. on, like, business and tax evasion and corruption and that, that like, mm. 
that general area. So, yeah, as you say, pretty cool that he collaborated with them. Can only assume that it was basically them doing the research and him doing the video, but maybe he did something. Yeah, look, I mean, he's got a team that does this kind of stuff, and they have, like, you know, they fucking hate John Barillaro. Mm. But, like, you know, and th- this is quite a relatively old story, so it's, like, going through basically what are histor- historical documents. It's also probably point. not criminal. Like, it's dodgy, but it seems like it was maybe just, like, savvy business dealings. Yeah, if there's anything criminal in there, it seems like it'll be pretty technical details, mm. like not revealing uh, something to ASIC Conflict at a certain time, or, or yeah, like, yeah. yeah, potentially, like, perjuring, like, Barilaro perjuring himself, mm. that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, um, I, I assume that Friendly Joydies is implying here that, like, the mafia is unhappy with him because he right. exposed potential crimes by an Italian person. <laughs> Yeah, Which, and like, he made a bunch of Italian jokes. Like, the whole thing was, like, the Italian job, and he kept making, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. pasta jokes and shit. Like, yeah. Uh, my yeah, my theory like, is that someone, like, 400 comments deep on a Facebook post was like, Oi, Jordan, my cousin's in the mafia, watch out, bro. <laughs> that, that's that's my read on what caused this tweet. But, like, uh, uh, that's pure speculation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like... There's exactly there's absolutely no way to know where it came from, but I think it's pretty safe to say that like I don't think anybody is so afraid of friendly Geordie's journalism that they would have mm. him killed. Yes. I just I I find it very difficult to believe. I mean, like, there's been a little bit of discourse happening on the Osport Shit Posting Facebook group yep. about like whether it's chill to laugh about this, because mm. even if he's like wrong Maybe this is like the signs of an uh, of like paranoia or something, which is not really worth making fun of, obviously. Or but if like, he's received like you know bloody letters and a horse's head in his bed, like sure, it's probably not cool to make fun of that. But yeah, they're, they're, we have no reason to believe that anything that actual has happened. No, and like we definitely don't want him to die. No, we just yeah. think it's very funny that he's like, my YouTube videos are so powerful that the government is going to take me out, or the mafia, whoever it is. Whoever it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. You said something like this before we started recording, but like I remember ages ago, someone in Ospol shitposting was like, oh, why, why is everyone not like friendly Geordies? And I was like, oh, there's the you know misogyny and the racism and the transphobia and the classism and all uh, the the fat phobia and all this bullshit. And honestly, this is probably not really something that he should be... Like, it's not really his fault, but he reminds me a lot of a guy from high school who was very annoying. And I think that's the most likely reason that he's (laughs) going to get killed, is that someone is, like, at a bar, being like, fuck this guy, and and king hit him, (laughs) and that'll be it. Uh, Like, I don't... You know, I think that's the the worst that FJ can... can... And all of his fans would be like, wow, look at this tweet. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, friendly Jordies, you're gonna be fine. But um you know, keep keep on posting. You're like you're clearly gaining power with every day. Yeah. Pissing off yeah. so many important people, such as the deputy of the Coalition National, in New South yeah. Wales. Yeah. Um We did it, Zach. We actually reported on friendly Jordies. Uh some of our listeners will be happy and others will be mad, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you got you can piss you can't please everybody, but you can piss mm. them all off. Mm. That's true. Yeah. 
All right, why don't we move on to our First Nations stories? Uh, and these, as usual, are going to be heavy ones. Uh, but they're not, they're not as heavy as they often are, uh, but they're definitely awful. Um, so the first one is that Telstra is set to pay out about $50 million to 108 Indigenous people who they scammed, essentially. Um, they, sent, they signed these people up for postpaid contracts that the customers slash victims didn't understand and that Telstra knew that they couldn't afford. Uh, and so doing things like, you know, people who don't have great English um, talking really fast and using big words and giving them contracts to sign and shit. Uh, the average debt accrued by these 108 people is $7,400, and the highest oh is God. about $19,000. So these would be, like, life-destroying debts for people who have good access to, you know, legal support and, and financial counselling and stuff. Um, and the people who were targeted by this scam were not in that position. So, yeah. Uh, and Telstra mm. did stuff like lying about whether the person was employed, lying about credit checks and so on, so that cre- credit checks would come back negative, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, they passed with AAA, and we'll, we'll give them this expensive contract. Uh, there's almost certainly more than these 108 people, in my opinion. Um, someone, one of the people who, who uh, one of the witnesses said that they were terrified of going to jail, which is extremely fair when you consider that, like, ab- Aboriginal people are often put in jails for things like allegedly stealing a Mars bar, or that, that kind of thing, like having $19,000 worth of debts to Telstra, like, for sure you could be k- jailed and killed for that. Um, but it makes me think that, like, almost certainly there were people who didn't sign up to this class action because, like, if they're worried about going to jail... Maybe they wouldn't want to hang out with a bunch of lawyers in court for days and days. So anyway, yeah. it's good that Telstra lost. It's good they're paying the money back. Uh, presumably Optus has done this. Presumably Vodafone has done this. Like, yeah, so watch for more on this in the future. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about just briefly is sort of a follow-on to the Jukan Gorge story that we've been covering over the last few months uh, there's been a federal inquiry into this, and um, this week the Registrar of Aboriginal Sites in Western Australia, so this is a Western Australian uh, public servant who basically looks after the heritage sites, more or less. Like, yeah, so she's kind of the yeah in charge of that. So uh, her name is Tanya Butler, Tanya Butler, and she told the federal inquiry that neither she nor the committee responsible for considering applications to destroy heritage nor the West Australian Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage were aware that traditional owners might be restricted from raising objections about their destruction of their heritage. Uh, And so this is in relation to gag orders, right? So um, Hmm. gag orders are uh, technically called non-disparagement clauses. Uh, Aidan and other legal uh, listeners, please write in to let us know about this. Uh, But as I understand it, they're basically bits in contracts that say you're not allowed to discuss this contract or our negotiations with anyone. Uh, and so when, you know, Rio Tinto signs a deal with the PKKP, like land management corporation or whatever, they have this clause saying you're not allowed to talk to anyone about it. And that means yeah. when uh, Rio violates or looks like they're going to violate it or when they have concerns about potential violations, it's illegal for them to go to the government about it. But the fucked thing is that, uh, like... W- I knew about that. I think you knew about that. Probably a lot of our listeners knew about these gag orders. They are extraordinarily common. Mm. Uh, And it is unthinkable that Ms. Tanya Butler, nor the Committee for Heritage, nor the Western Australian Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage, knew that these gag orders were common. They claimed that they didn't know about it until this year. And I... 
I'm sort of lost for words of how completely fucked that is. Either she's lying, that's my suspicion, is that actually all of them yeah, knew about it. Yeah, it sounds they- just like totally brazen garbage. Uh, it's possible that she didn't, which is almost worse. Possibly even fucked, more yeah. fucked. Yeah. So just to finish this off, I want to uh, read a quote from a Labour MP, Warren Snowden, who said, I find it very difficult to believe that any one or a number of those individuals who are informed about the way in which prescribed body corporates operate and about agreements between mining companies and Aboriginal people, that no one was aware that there was such thing as gag orders. It raises the question of how much consultation pl- takes place between the ACMC and your office and traditional owners around sites, to which Tanya responded that, in fact, their... Um, that department was legally forbidden from doing consultation. Uh, Jesus. So. And as we've discussed before, like, yeah, I mean, when they do do consultation, they're just, yeah, they're, they're a scam. Yeah. You know, they just happen so that they can later refer back to them having been done, but they're not even allowed to do that scam. (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. That's really cooked. It's extremely fucked. Uh, Yep. Oh, I, I don't really have anything to, to finish on there. No, just, I mean, yeah. it's not exactly news that the mining industry and everything around it is completely fucked when it comes to, mm. like, you know, it shouldn't exist in the first place mm. on this country. Um, but, like, you know, each week we get this new completely mind-boggling detail about just how, like, wantonly evil... Yep. The whole situation is. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to take in. Uh, all right. So that finishes all of our like heavy news for the week. Uh but we we do have some more news. It's just kind of funny uh and and meme intensive. So why don't we move along? You fucked up. Yeah, let's do it. So I mean, I guess really it goes to Matthias Corman. It could technically go to like the Liberal government in general or even Scott Morrison technically depending on how you Look at this story, or maybe the Labour Party, also the Labour Party, or, or just you know Australian politicians in general. Mm. It's a um, lot of fuck ups. Yeah. So uh, I was actually supposed to talk about this on when I guested on Not Good Enough about a mm. month ago mm. when this story first started coming out, and I wrote notes, uh, and then we ran out of time because I ranted about horse racing for so long, um, but. Matthias, this is about Matthias Corbyn. So he is the soon-to-be ex-finance minister. He's on his way out of Australian politics, but he's pitching to become the next Secretary General of the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which is very important because otherwise, how would we compare ourselves to other rich countries on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on a list and say we have the worst X, Y, Z in the OECD? Mm-hmm. Um, other, for, other than that, yeah, you know, they love free trade. That's the that's their main jam. Um, so about a month ago, uh, it became clear that Corbyn was like going to pitch for this job, and he was kind of going around and starting to talk about how important a green recovery was going to be, how mm-hmm. important renewables were going to be. He gave a speech uh, and said uh, that the Asia Pacific region needed to quote grasp the opportunities presented to us by this pandemic. Opportunities like the pursuit of an inclusive and future-focused recovery, including a green recovery with an increased reliance on renewables, improved energy efficiency, addressing climate change, and accelerating the transition to a lower emissions future. This is just some, like, Turnbull leather jacket shit, right? Like, the moment he's out of politics, he's like, oh, yeah, I got 
I care about the planet. I actually disagree. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, to a, to an extent, I both think that they're. I think that they're both like rank egomaniacs. Uh, and, but I I think that Turnbull is more interested in rehabilitating his public image and like mm. did Coleman actually Corman just ha- wants this job. Yes. Mm. I think that this that this is far more cynical from Corman. I think mm. that Turnbull actually does genuinely hold those beliefs that he talks sure. about. Sure. He's just, just like that- not a priority compared to his power hungriness or whatever it is. Yeah, and like he was completely either unable or unwilling to act on them when he actually mm. had any power. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different kind of hypocrisy for him to now come out and say all sure. this, you know, yeah, that stuff makes about, sense. you know, climate action, etc. Um whereas, yeah, Corman this is this yeah, this is just total opportunism. Uh and now that uh Joe Biden has won the election, Corman is going even further with his mm-hmm. like climate rhetoric. Effective global action on climate change is a must. And we must mm-hmm. get to zero net emissions as soon as possible. Which, yeah, it's Man, what a weird that he's so passionate about this. Uh, but that the government is doing the opposite of that. Yep. Yep. Um, but obviously, that is the reason why he has to go extra hard mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. stuff. Because Australia is renowned throughout the world in general, but obviously specifically within Europe, uh, you know, and the OECD is very Eurocentric. You know, we're renowned as rampant, gleeful climate criminals mm. who consistently derail international attempts to stop global warming. Yeah. Which is, you know, he's been complicit in for the past yeah, yeah, seven 100%. years. It's been like the third most powerful person in the government for seven years and has clearly been A-OK with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, hey, I want to come and do this cool job in Europe. And I know that you guys in Europe love fighting climate change. Uh, well, you know, love him. compared to australia which is a low bar um one of the hilarious details about this story is that his bid is being supported by labor um because apparently they just in principle approve any australian applying for this kind of job yep uh more on that in a minute uh apparently adam bant has written to the heads of all oecd nations telling them that the greens are lobbying against him which is funny um yeah I like it's kind of hard for me to imagine like Macron opening a letter from Adam Bant and being like, "Oh my god, Adam has <laughs> <Adam's> vetoed Corman? <laughs> oh no!" Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, again, this, one other detail I came across when I was reading about this was that um, Turnbull vetoed Kevin Rudd's run <laughs> right. at becoming the, U- the UN Secretary General, um, yep. whereas Labor's like. No, please, oh, Matthias uh, Corman. Take our support. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, Matthias Corman was so good at reaching across the aisle so that we could yep. fuck the poor in an they extremely also bipartisan fashion. supported Joe Hockey getting the ambassador's job, I'm pretty sure. I mean, just who wouldn't want blocks. him out of the country? <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, but, so, I mean, yeah, obviously there's the, this rank hypocrisy of this, you know, I would say it's fair to call Corman a climate criminal. Uh-huh. Uh now sort of changing his stripes in order to get this cushy job. Um, but he's like, that was kind of what the story was about a month ago. But this week, the story is that he's been using an air force plane to travel around Europe in support of getting this job mm-hmm. at like massive expense to the government. Apparently it costs $4,000 an hour to fly this fucking private jet. It's just wild. <laughs> um, um, you know, and this coming from a guy who thought that like, Victoria's lockdown was too harsh because it was like costing the state uh-huh. mu- too much money. Uh-huh. 
so Scott Morrison has justified the expense by saying that Corman couldn't possibly have flown commercial because he would have gotten COVID. Uh-huh. I don't think that that's as good an argument against Corman getting commercial flights that he thinks it is, but whatever. Sure. Um, the obvious answer to all this, of course, is doing what the fuck the rest of us are all doing, which is using Zoom. Yeah, for um, real. <laughs> uh, and I think it was an ABC article that compared um, Corbin to Natasha St- Despoyer, who there's a... You remember her? She, is she in a Das Racist lyric? No. <laughs> no, that... No. No, Natasha St- Despoyer was, I'm pretty sure, the head of the Democrats, the leader of the Democrats, before oh. they collapsed as a party. In the Australian Democrats. Oh, the Australian Democrats. Right, right. Yeah, I was like, what sorry, the fuck? Sorry, sorry. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sure I would have... Heard. Yeah, no. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Yeah, which there's one, you know, there's a throwback uh, to I think I was thinking paying of, attention um, to politics in, I don't know, Michael Latoya Holmes. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Different person. Yes. Different person to Natasha Stott Despoyer, who... Yeah, she's somebody who, like... You know, because my just because my parents watched the news every night when I was mm. a kid, like her face exists somewhere at the back of my memory and totally. her name, which is like quite distinctive. It is um, and catchy, which is why maybe you thought it was from a song, um, but I don't know anything about her beyond that. Anyway, she was just elected to a UN committee on the elimination of discrimination against women, and she conducted her campaign for that position almost entirely over Zoom. She had 190 meetings apparently. Um, <laughs> but the story that is also like, oh yeah, by the way, she did actually fly to Washington and Canberra during the pandemic and supported mm-hmm. this bit as well. So maybe it's not the best comparison possible, but it's not who paid for fucking... those flights is another question. But that is another question. Yeah, yeah look, um, honestly, I think he's probably got a way better chance of succeeding given that he flies around. That doesn't mean it should be paid f- like he should use an Air Force plane or that it should be paid for by the government. Like. Right, like he's he's probably right about it being good for his bit, but that yeah, that, that that's doesn't not really a good support reason. the position. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. not from our position. No, no, um, yeah. you know, and like people are unhappy about this, considering that, like, for example, the government this week yeah. is currently in the process of like, like in Parliament, they're literally debating like how much can we cut back job seeker and housing. Yeah, yeah, is like the conversations that are happening in Canberra. Um, so I think it's fair for people to be upset about this. Yeah, but totally. One man was brave enough to stand up against the outrage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. That hero of common sense and purveyor of big brain takes, Bevan Shields. He thinks it's not a big deal. Quote from his article, which had some... I don't have the headline written down here, but it was like a mixed metaphor about people hyperventilating and being short-sighted, which is pretty to funny. Just uh, to interrupt, I'm sure many people know Bevan Shields is an ABC journalist. He's currently working as their Europe... Cor- Sorry, no, no, not ABC. No. Uh, Fairfax. He is the Europe yeah. correspondent for The Age and Fairfax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, the sort of tenuous connection for him to be writing about this quite domestic issue is that um, Corbyn flew a plane to Europe. Yeah. Um, I guess it's not that tenuous. Whatever. Fuck you, Bevan Shields. Uh, quote from his um, uh, opinion piece about this. Quote, these campaigns cost money and a grown-up country should be able to accept that without whipping up a cycle of outrage. Um, we which, know it costs money, but this dude's on a fucking six-figure salary, bro. Like, Seriously. And <laughs> he like, can pay and for his own he, planes. And he's like applying for a job. He's applying that has for a, a job. That has a six-figure that has its own six-figure salary. He can Six get loans. euro figures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Corman doesn't uh, need our help for this. No. Um, and, 
Yeah, I mean, so, like, the the whole kind of gist of Bevan Shields's take on this is that... Well, here's, a, here's another quote. We are a middle power and our foreign policy must be shrewd. This mm-hmm. means using diplomatic gusto to in- influence multilateral institutions in a way which ensures we are a rule maker, not a rule taker. Shut the the fuck only up, way Evan. to change this is to engage. <laughs> you can't do that via Zoom alone. A seat at the table will not be secured on the cheap. So, yeah. like... Sh- sure, yeah, but that doesn't mean we need to be fucking paying for it. Right. So he kind of goes on to talk about how, like, this pearl of reliance, the economy will be the the central issue of 2021. I am a paid columnist. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, no, it's not like that has been the case for the last, like, 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's, these people, I swear to God. But anyway, so, but, but he basically goes on to be like, you know, the OECD is going to be central to, like, a global economic recovery, and so yeah. we need to have an Australian voice at the table, and whatever it costs to get an Australian at that table is money well spent, basically. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we need somebody to represent our interests in these, like, global economic discussions. But that's just such a fucking ridiculously naive perspective, mm. in my opinion. And that's, mm. like, putting it generously. Yes. The idea that Australia... <laughs> yeah, the idea that Coleman will, like, represent Australia's interests is so absurd. And it's like well, the same logic behind Labour supporting his bid. This idea mm, that like, oh, any Australian, any Australian no matter what yeah. their political or economic outlook is, like, will be a good addition to these conversations. No! It's, it's also like, as you mentioned before, he's having his cake and eating it too about like renewables and the anti-renewable like policies of the government that he's a part of. And like, either when he goes to the OEC, he's going to be anti coal or pro coal basically right and either way of the, like either he's saying like yeah what he did for the government this whole time has been bad for australia in which case why would we tr- like his anti-renewable stuff why would we trust him to represent australia or he's going to be like super pro coal and like that is apparently yeah. also not rep- representing what australia needs like i, it, I don't yeah, know well, that's kind of like a no, logic 100 percent. it's but like it's it's this idea of like and we'll get into this um later in the show as well yeah. but this like this very weird idea that you can like separate somebody's political stance from their political effect mm. like it's it's a really really strange idea like and it's like doesn't matter if Corman is like a flagrant careerist who will happily throw Australians under the bus for his own mm. political progression because he's Australian. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Like, like, as if that's some kind of, like, win for us as a people that we have this person, like, speaking on our behalf somewhere. It's the fucking opposite, Bevan. Yep. And it, it, and it, but it's this, like, appeal to common sense that he's trying to make mm. in the sense of, like, think about this rationally, okay? It might be expensive to get this reactionary dickhead onto this international council to represent our country. But at least but, he w- was born near me, except he wasn't. He right. Was. He's, yeah. in, he's not even, like... He, he no. like, spent 30 years in the same country as me, therefore he will be good. Yeah, no, yeah, the, it's like, put politics aside... And support politics. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I kind of don't want to get into this because I don't have a fully formed thought here, but I've been listening to the History of Rome podcast recently, and it's just kind of really massively reinforced my cynicism about politics, uh, which is impressive. <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't have expected <laughs> beforehand. 
Well, yeah. if not the peak, then, you know, the sort of diminishing returns. But no, it really... Um, yeah, and, and it's just like... All of these people... I, I think the difference between, like, ancient Rome and modern Australia, one of them, is that individuals <laughs> had way more control back there, right? Like, the sure. emperor was the emperor, and, like, our prime minister is not really like that. Uh, but what it did show me is that literally every person in all of Roman history only ever acted in their own immediate interests. And that's exactly what I already believed about Australian politics. But, like, Corman doesn't want to represent Australia. He wants this no. nice, cushy job where he becomes one of the most powerful people in the world. Uh, and if he has to do corrupt bullshit to get there and lie about caring about renewables, then that's exactly what he's going to do. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, I, I just think it, this whole campaign from him is a perfect encapsulation of what you've just said in the sense mm. of, like, politicians are in it for themselves and that is literally the beginning and the end of the story yeah and then you have these commentators basically on the outside who have to believe who essentially have to spin the bullshit mm. into sounding mm. vaguely believable to themselves because they're not allowed to say like bevan shields can't say this is flagrant careerism and politics is a house of cards filled with like people who are just obsessed with their own uh like enrichment or whatever yeah 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 like he has to kind of force this round peg of total bullshit into this like square hole of the of world like... making sense and being fair yep and you end up with these like with this writing that just makes absolutely no logical sense at all mm -hmm. and reads is basically completely politically deluded um yeah and in in that sense i think it is quintessential Bevan. Mm, mm -hmm. It's quintessential Bevaning. Which is the perfect uh, segue into our next segment. Shitpost of the week. I, I will get to the meme that one in just a moment, but um, I feel like it needs a little <laughs> bit of context because it's, it's, it's pretty deep. Uh, it's deep cut, yeah. So one of my favorite phrases that has come out of Ospol shitposting is Bevening intensifies. I'm not sure if I actually made it up or if someone else did. Um, but uh, ba basically there are these two Bevan journalists. Uh, there's Matt Bevan and Bevan Shields. Uh, as I mentioned, we've just been talking about Bevan Shields. He's the uh, Ages Europe correspondent. Matt Bevan is one of the ABC's United States experts. And he also does like international news on Radio National Breakfast. Uh, he's got a podcast called Russia, if you're listening, which is now called America, if you're listening, which I quite like. Um, and it's about, you know, Trump's corrupt shit with Russia and now Trump's corrupt shit with the US. So, yeah, uh, definitely worth a listen. Um, and I quite like Matt Bevan. Uh, and I really resent Bevan Shields immensely. Um, and, and <laughs> Noon has often held, basically, that Matt Bevan is the good Bevan. Exactly, there's a and scale. Bevan, and, and when Bevening intensifies, it tends to be Bevan Shields doing Exactly, yes. Though that hasn't been the case this week. Uh, Matt Bevan has also been Bevening at a hitherto unforeseen rate. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, uh, this week's shitpost of the week goes to John Rye Sweeten, uh, well, a long-time member of Ospol Shitposting and contributor. And they made this incredible meme that uh, I fucking love. 
which says, what is the second law of Bevan dynamics? Bevening in an isolated system that is not in equilibrium will tend to increase over time until it reaches a maximum Bevan level. And down the bottom, he's got this illustration, which is a, a diagram of um, the second law of thermodynamics and Maxwell's demon. If any of you are interested in that, follow my meme page, Heat Death Memes. Um, but instead of the particles that are in this diagram, he's put Matt Bevan on the left and then Bevan Shields on the right. Uh, it's just the perfect overlap of all of my favorite meme things. It's incomprehensible. It's niche. It's got Bevan's. It's got entropy. It's great. But basically, you know, it also explains in a scientific fashion exactly how Matt Bevan is moving further and further towards Bevan Shields exactly. on the Bevan scale. Exactly. Because, look, yeah, I mean, I think Matt Bevan... I, I don't listen to ABC News Radio because I'm not a fucking nerd mm-hmm. and i don't listen to matt bevan's podcast so i honestly ha- don't have very much contact with him mm. outside of twitter yes and on twitter he's a whingy f- little flub honestly yep. and yep. i have seen him and he he, he <laughs> like he, he got put on my shit list a couple weeks ago because yeah. he like said something rude to a friend of mine on twitter in like deep in the replies in like a, a, a long thread and then his tweet in that thread didn't get very many likes. So he basically reposted his same complaint on main in order to get a bunch of support likes. And I was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this is extremely, this is extremely blue check behavior, Matt. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, totally. you know, that was like, he, he got moved one notch closer to shields on the Bevan scale at that moment. And then it's just been what continuing inspo- ever since. Exactly. He's basically in like doing, repeating that pattern of like, Having yep. arguments and losing arguments in the comments, and then basically posting his own whingy self like pitying position on yep. main to get those pity likes. Well, and so th- this this meme. I don't know sorry, if we could sorry. say Matt Bevan is the good Bevan anymore. Yeah, I think that's... that we just have to say that the second law of Bevan dynamics means that Bevaning in an isolated system will tend to increase over time until it reaches a maximum Bevan level. <laughs> it's true. And I, I just want to comment as well on the, on the issue of Matt Bevan Bevaning. Uh, this was a post from John Rice Sweeten like an hour before he posted the that Be- Be- Bevan Dynamics meme. Um, but he said this. Uh, he posted a couple uh, a thread from Matt Bevan uh, where Be- uh, Matt is talking about his sister who teaches at a school in North London. Um and they don't say thoughtful, they just say thoughtful, and I don't know how she gets through the day without laughing at them. I mean, imagine trying to teach a room full of tiny Dickensian chimney sweeps and pickpockets how to spell thoughtful and thankful and thirteen. You'd die. You'd just die. And like, yes, I c- English accents are kind of funny. But John Ray Sweeten said this, Bevan Logic, the English as a whole are not a disadvantaged group, therefore it's okay for me to mock the working class accent of London primary school kids describing them as chimney sweeps and pickpockets. <laughs> and like this whole thread was Matt Bevan being like, why are people complaining to me about making fun of these small children uh, who speak normal English? Uh, it's objectively hilarious and the English are colonizers, therefore it's, it's fine to make fun of English people. So anyway, um... Yeah, it went on to do a bunch of whinging about it on main after losing that argument to John in the comments. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, John, thank you. It's been some excellent posting. And as I said, I the fucking Bevan love that meme. Yeah, 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 me too. It's just incredible. Uh, and I actually made a meme in response because I, I couldn't let a meme about thermodynamics go unanswered. Go in un- 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 unmemed by you. Exactly. But I feel yeah. like maybe we should, we should put a pin in it 
and bring okay. it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, That's true. what I Does, It does need a little more context. So yes, why, why don't yeah. you take us through our blurst take, Zach? It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. <laughs> I will. And it's been, look, I said at the top of the show, hey, it's Zach and Noon talking about the news. Eh, it's kind of more like Zach and Noon talking about the posts this week. It's true. It's, it's a post-heavy post week. Heavy. We're posting through it. You could say we're toasting through it. Hey oh. Uh in case that wasn't clear, which I don't think it was. No, so. absolutely. I didn't get it uh, when you pitched the idea to me. But you know, yeah. toast is kind of our thing. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever. It's it, fuck, it's fine. Anyway. <laughs> here's some more terrible posts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this time from another ABC journalist, mm. Virginia Trioli. Mm-hmm. Uh aka Trigger. Mm-hmm. She, you know, will occasionally host Q&A. She hosts... You would know this better than me. Yeah, so she hosts she host ABC Radio, Radio Mornings. Breakfast? Uh, for mornings. Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, which is the one that John Fain used to do. Um, and so when she was introduced, a bunch of people were like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty good replacement for John Fain. Um, she is, you know, she's a senior ABC journalist who people basically view with, like, a relatively high amount of respect yeah, and integrity. Um, and there was this ongoing conversation on Twitter, which we probably don't really need to get into, but yeah. um, actually, no, I'll get into it later. But like, basically there was this ongoing thread about, I think it started when someone, when the ABC's account was like, Hey, check out all our news shows. We're really proud of our roster. And like had, and I think it was actually the pictures the image that, that Morgan used. used. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was just like every single one of the presenters of every single one of their new current affairs shows is white. And then there was ongoing kind of, you know, conversation about diversity at the ABC. Mm-hmm. Somebody, uh, some like right wing commentator was like, now do ideological diversity. Um, Swish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which like maybe maybe Swish, but probably not in the way that that guy thinks. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> and then there was like a bit of conversation about ideological diversity at the ABC. And then this exchange happened where people were talking about whether or not you can tell what the political alignment of like ABC journalists is. And someone tweeted, uh, Virginia Trioli does it best. She donkey votes. I think I heard her say once Virginia Trioli responded, not donkey voting informal voting. I cross out the ballots. You don't Uh, actually have to do that. You could leave it blank, Virginia. But that's yeah, fine. Or draw a massive dick um, and, yep. and nothing else, uh, you know, if you wanted to be cool about it. Someone else responded, is this so that you don't align yourself with any political party or politician? Virginia Jolie said, yes. It's so I can truly say I don't have a personal interest in the outcome of any election. <sighs> As Gumnut49 always says, I don't care <laughs> who runs the country, but I care passionately about how it's run. I just, this is a side note, but I love how Twitter requires people to say things like, ah, yes, as Gumnut49 always says. Um, <laughs> like Murphy <laughs> Catherine Murphy, there's people being like, so Murphy what do you think about these war crimes or whatever? It's like, yeah, it's people fine. call her that in person, actually. I know, I know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like and- it. Don't. <laughs> Don't anthropomorphize Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, that was rude. It's okay. So there's a lot of problems with this that we're going to get into, but the 
the primary one that I, well, like, I don't think we're going to talk about at great length is the suggestion that not voting means that you don't have an interest in the outcome. Because actually, they're, like, you do get affected by the outcome, right? Like, you still have your own interests. You're just not, like, directly participating and promoting them in that way. Or, like, uh, it just seems no, it, like... It's, it's, this, it's this myth of objectivity, that, of journalistic objectivity that is, like, sacrosanct at right, right, the right. ABC. Well, no, no, but, but it's my a, point but is... But applied that... to a real life... Okay, go on, go on. My, my, my point is that people might be not politically aligned in all sorts of different ways and that's fine we can question we'll get into whether or not that's actually the case or whatever but like the my point is that not voting isn't an important way to distinguish that right like yes that no, it's like well, not think... being a member of a political party that kind of makes more sense to me as a thing about not having like not being on one of the teams or whatever but like hmm. uh well being I mean, like, I think what Shirley's really saying here is I don't have to have a personal interest in the outcome of any election. Yes, I'm in a position I, my life is no matter, comfortable enough that it doesn't matter who's in charge. Exactly. Like, no matter who gets elected, I'm fine. And, and also, I don't care enough about the plight of anybody else mm, that I don't consider myself having to have a stake in the election. That, the I mean, is, that's what that says to me. This is the same logic as the Labour party being like i don't care who runs the country but i care about how it's run supporting matthias corman i mean because yes. it's like actually who the person is matters a hundred percent determines and it's, how they it's the do same things. it's the same logic that bevan shields is using in his yes. in his terrible Defensive opinion piece and corman. this is you know for those playing along at home you found the through line of the episode which is yep. and this is what i was trying to get at before is yeah this kind of like this separation of like political belief from the political system yeah and trioli trying to kind of like paint herself as if she exists outside it is just mm. so ridiculously disingenuous because i hate to break it to you bro you're an extremely influential person mm. politically lots of people actually form their opinions based on the based things on that you, you say yeah. and that you that you say but it's as i was getting at before this idea of like total objectivity or neutrality mm. that is like this considered to be this journalistic ideal among like you know it's like a liberal ideal basically it is. i just it's look at the liberal. facts yeah, yeah. and i i let everybody else draw their own conclusions it's a fucking myth it doesn't exist it's like you it's have also... a perspective and your perspective is that you are so comfortable that you don't need to care about elections if you don't think that that's a political position fucking resign because you don't understand what politics is mm. it's also such a beautiful example of like what is it calls eating from the trash can of ideology of like this this <laughs> belief that um that there is a neutrality and that the state and that politics are this like independent body that doesn't have their own built-in yeah. beliefs about the world and that you can be objective and that you can be neutral and it'll, that, that like the the role of a journalist is to like be unideological on some level and yeah. that 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 is the most ideological thing is is when people's political politicality is not visible and is being yeah. actively hidden and this is just a, a beautiful example of that um it, it's pure ideology zach it is it's 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 pure ideology and it's it's like, you know, yeah, I, like I'm saying, I think that this is like, this is an attitude that is rife within 
uh, journalism in general, but especially Australian journalism and especially, especially at the ABC. Mm, mm. And it's also an attitude that we see bleed into uh, the political perspective of the Labour Party, as you've touched yeah. on as well. Yeah, uh, uh, but it's like, it's just, it's so obviously fantasy. I don't care who runs the country, but I care mm. passionately, passionately about how it's run. But it's like, also, she says she cares passionately about how it's run, but also her job involves never advocating for any particular policy position. Right? Like, that's yeah. when, she, when she has someone on. Like, her job is to, like, question them, uh, try and bring up problems, but never to present her own view about how things should be run. And, like, again, this is just more liberal ideology that, like, if all of the problems get fixed up, then things will be run well, as if government was this, like, just, like, a maintenance crew that, like, keeps the city going and not a bunch of wealthy dickheads who want to implement their own people. views. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, and that's we... the thing. It's, like, this, this idea of neutrality, of, of, like, not taking a position as a neutral perspective... Mm is that's also a fucking myth because yeah. you're you're like you're tacitly taking the position of the stat you're like you're tacit, you're tacitly supporting the status quo and in this case you're you're like you're tacitly endorsing the structure of the state as it exists and the structure of journalism as it mm, exists mm. it's also like such a hilarious example of the internal contradictions of liberalism that like mm. on the one hand journalism is like this integral part of the liberal view about how society runs the fourth estate and all this shit but mm. they are being like oh we couldn't possibly participate in democracy that might ruin it for everyone um <laughs> and like like you must vote voting is the fundamental role of the citizen but journalists get this like pass from that or something like they're they're actually it's not when even they a pass. vote it's, it's bad. like it's a responsibility yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, no, absolutely, I... they're just the they're the torchbearers of truth and transparency, and we just like there is no there is no person that is un unideological. There is no mm. person that is apolitical. There is no orga organization mm. that is apolitical. And I think that we need to dispense with this fantasy because these people need to be held to account for what they actually are supporting. Yeah, because yeah. when like as it... we've said, Virginia Trolley is upholding the status quo when she does this she's mm. saying that this like that the current state of affairs yeah that that normal is neutral and mm. no normal is fucked bro i hate to yeah. break it to you but yeah. normal, normal is, is class war and shit yeah 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 uh and um, it, the whole sorry go on no no I was, I was just gonna say like it, it kind of gets to like what is the point of journalism um and i like i don't really make big notes here but i guess the three things that i immediately think of a one is like provide people with information i guess uh which again is not a neutral thing the the no. way the information you choose to present and the way you choose to present it is never neutral uh even if you're trying to do that there's no such thing um a another one is to hold powerful people to account and then third to speak truth to power but like if you don't have a view about how the world is how do you then speak truth to power? And, like, her whole thing about not voting is, like, I couldn't possibly have my own position. So how does she then be like, you are doing something wrong and, and deadly to, to right. the politicians so, or whatever? So, so they're actually... And, and th I think this is a really good point. Um, and something that I wanted to touch on earlier when we were talking about Friendly Jordan. Mm. What did I just say? Friendly Jordan. <laughs> 
uh, well, yeah, well, we're talking about Friendly Jordan earlier. Um, basically, like, given these limitations of, like, you can't take a political or a personal or ideological perspective when discussing any of these issues, mm. you're limited to the question of, are you breaking the rules? The mm. rules being, obviously, really the, like, point. the things that have been set up by the state the that they have said, been yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, the ruling class has decided what those rules are, and of course there are no fucking consequences for them breaking them mm. anyway, as we've seen repeatedly most recently with someone like Alan Tudge, for example. But that's what, you know, like a uh, supposedly neutral journalist is restricted to. Have you, are you corrupt, basically? Mm. And mm. that is the question, that is, that is why Friendly Geordie's, so many of his videos are focused on this idea of corruption. Because mm. he ultimately doesn't really have a strong ideological position. Yes, he's a labor hack, but he can't, so he can't, like, because he's a labor hack, he can't he make can't. any broader critiques yeah, of the political yeah. system at large because those are antithetical to the interests of the Labor Party. Mm. He can't, and, like, when he's criticizing someone like John Barillaro, it's not about his politics. It's not about his political or ideological views. It's about whether or not he's corrupt. And ultimately, that's why, even though he makes entertaining videos that reach lots of people, I actually don't think that he makes any kind of significant or helpful mm. contribution to political discourse in this country because he makes it all about these distractions. He makes mm. it about these side issues that ultimately have no cut through or that, that ultimately don't challenge power structures at all. And that's my like central yeah. issue with him. Yeah. I, like aside from the fact that he is, as you've outlined like on an individual level, extremely totally annoying. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, like he's that he's sexist, racist, transphobic, yeah, yeah, fatphobic, yeah. and all of that, all of that other stuff. But like, I'm saying, as a political commentator, he's fucking ineffectual. Mm. Yeah. And no, good, good rant. So is and so is Virginia Trioli. And, yeah. bef- and sorry, I interrupted you. You had another point in your. List I didn't have a point. I just wanted to talk about the memes. <laughs> okay uh well before before i finish ranting here yeah yeah please um, no no it's very good i'm enjoying it okay good um before i finish ranting um <laughs> i probably should have t- said this earlier but like two quick points that i wanted to make was that one that well basically the point of one of the larger points i wanted to make was how rife this attitude is at the mm. abc and mm. how this is where the abc as like a journalistic force is ultimately uh, it totally ineffectual in, mm. in in a kind of similar way to friendly Geordies. I mean, not in a similar way, but like you know, they're both hampered by their own like refusal to look ideology in the face. I think. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, maybe we should thread... just Go on. send a Zizek book to every ABC journalist. <laughs> See what happens. That would be funny. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so the 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 like thread that these Virginia Trolley comments about like I don't you know I do informal voting because I don't care who runs the country the first tweet in this thread came from Lee Sales who mm. presents 730 she said I can guarantee uh, who she said in response to this um Sky News commentator who'd been like no let's do ideological diversity Lee Sales response was I can guarantee you I know six of the people in this photo of ABC journalists way better than you do some of them for decades and I could honestly and I honestly could not tell you how they vote from either their work or their personal lives. <laughs> Which, like, if that's not a fucking indictment of a journalistic organization, I honestly don't know what is. And, and 
the last thing that I wanted to say was that mm-hmm. um, sorry, I've got a lot of no 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 that you no, need no. To I'm loving it. Um, was that this is why I stopped listening to the party room? Yeah, because um, Patricia Carvelis on that show, she it's it's one of the most popular political podcasts in Australia. And when I first started kind of trying to really engage with Australian politics, mm. it was my first port of call, as I think mm. it is for many people. And it's presented by two high profile Australian journalists, Patricia Carvelis and Fran Kelly, who both uh, have. I think they do AM and PM respectively yep, yep. on. Uh, on no, no, they do not the opposite of respectively. Evenings. Yeah. Oh, breakfast and evenings. There you go. AM and um, PM are different. Yep. And it was in the run up to the 2019 Australian federal election. Patricia Carvelis said on this podcast, I remember she didn't that. know who she was going to vote for, and, and that she like, was going to let her partner vote for her. Yeah. Because yeah. and so this idea of like. You spend literally 100% of your professional life talking about politics, thinking about politics, and telling other people about politics, and you don't know who to vote for? Like, what the fuck have you been doing? Like, yeah. I just yeah. it's, it's, I just find it absolutely mind-blowing. I, I, and On I was some just level, like, no, even worse no more episodes of this show. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like, you can't critically evaluate these positions virginia trolley uh, trioli is being like i refuse to do this <laughs> pk was like oh it's such a close decision what could <laughs> i'll let someone i'll abdicate my responsibility uh yeah anyway and i'm realizing uh, i'm just looking at this and i'm realizing that i've just criticized three potentially four high-profile female journalists at the ABC. Oh, we also criticized we Matt did Bevin at least, and Bevan Shields. And Bevan Shields. We did, yeah, we did, okay. did quite a lot of men. I just, I but, don't think it's just the female journalists at the no, ABC no, absolutely who are centrist not. hacks. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, 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 want to, just want to put that out there. See also David Spears coming over from Sky. Uh, but yes, I mean, like, literally, you but, can't throw a pin without hitting one. Like, one of the reasons <laughs> I like John, John Fain was uh, that, he oh, so you like quit- the one of the few male journalists? Oh, God. For- formally liked. <laughs> formally, yeah. He, he really went off the rails. Um, but uh, it was because he said that he quit the Labour Party because of offshore detention. And like, A, cool that he was a member of a party before then and didn't feel like that meant that he was like... Forbidden like it, from talking it, about politics publicly it remind- now. Yeah, I don't know. It <laughs> It's like, what fucking, like, lack of self-control do you have to not be able to, like, be like, well, I think these people are better, but I can still have an interview with someone. Like, I don't know. what, Whatever. But, but, I respect that. He had a position. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, at the, like, at the root of this is a really pernicious idea that having any kind of investment in politics actually yeah, basically yeah. renders your opinion worthless because mm. you have a personal stake in it. That's mm. so poisonous mm. that like, that's how the voices of marginalized people are silenced and quashed like at, at a societal level, as well as an individual one. No, uh, you, you know, you're queer. So your opinion on whether or not same sex marriage should be legalized is null and void because mm. like, that's you've got, how, like got an interest in it or something. That's how yeah. it works. You know, yeah. all of these like rich white ABC journalists who can kind of present themselves as these, as these paragons of neutral neutrality, can do so because that is the position. Like they op, they, they they're part of the political of the position. class. Exactly, but yeah, yeah they like and and like they a- have few enough political things affect them on a day to day basis that they can then be like, no, we're we're neutral. 
there's the social capture as well. Like the the politicians, their friends, they have beers with them after work, and like they text each other memes and shit. It's like fuck. And like it kind of makes sense on a personal level why you might feel like you need to be neutral, like have to loudly perform your neutrality so that you can like connect with both sides or, or whatever. It's just it's very silly. yeah and. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that excuse given by ABC journalists mm, mm. before, basically. Uh, yeah, I don't I, know. the whole thing's a bit of a fucking mess. Yeah, uh, and also like shout outs to my favorite journalist of all time, Karl Marx, uh, who, <laughs> who was not ideologically neutral. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we wrap up, uh, I would quite like to go over these two memes. They are they're in house ones. We can't give them shit post of the week, but uh, I, I was proud of them. So. Uh, one was one that you conceptualized and I executed because you were busy. Do you want to? Yeah, you run I delegated. This one? Yeah, did, yeah. I, did, did <laughs> I do you proud? Oh, you did me so proud, man! Good. Good. I, I like, yeah, I came up with this meme and I was busy doing. I think I was at work. Mm. I was like, noon, you should make this. Uh, and then I saw it posted on Instagram later and just absolutely lost my shit. Um, <laughs> which is, it's like the Drake displeased and pleased meme. But we've put Virgin- Benuna's put Virginia Trioli's face over Drake's, so that we don't have to see Drake's gross face, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, and the top Virginia Virginia Trioli is disagreeing with the statement, not voting because elections are a sham designed to sell the lie that the people have control over the government. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> below that, Virginia Trioli likes not va- not voting to maintain total neutrality. Uh, and a little uh, tag in the corner: this meme made by ABC Gang Gang. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking superlative work, Noon. Thank you. I couldn't. I literally couldn't have done it better myself. They always come out a bit danker when you make them, mm, which is what I love yeah. about your memes. Speaking of which, yes, this one is possibly too dank. Uh, this was the one that I made in response to uh, John's second law of Bevan dynamics meme. Because uh, as I've mentioned, I fucking love entropy content, and I just, <laughs> I just couldn't let this one go unanswered. So. This one that I made is empirical evidence for the second law of Bevan dynamics. Uh, case study, the Trioli effect. Even in systems <laughs> with only average back down, background Bevan levels, such as observed in the Virginia Trigger Trioli system, will result in runaway <laughs> Bevaning over time. Trigger was observed 22 months ago, McDonald et al. 2018, and recorded just 1.4 Bevans on the standard Bevan to Bevan scale. Recent observations by Jenkins et al. 2020 estimate Trigger is now at a breathtaking 8.1 Bevins. Uh, and then... I, I also really liked, uh, I think it was Paul Roberts' response to this, which is the screen cap from uh, Chernobyl. The guy is oh, reading yeah, the, yeah. The, the like radiation meter and he's like, 8.1 Bevins? Not great, not terrible. <laughs> yeah, very good. But the, the diagram that I made for this, it's the same one of... of Matt Bevan and then Bevan Shields, except both of them are Virginia Trioli. And on the second one, I've widened her face a bit and also put in Bevan Shields' glasses. Uh, and when I was making this, I was like, oh, this is going to take such a fucking age to get this, like, Photoshop just right. And I just, like, moved my cursor across, like, the, the delete button over once, over twice, and I was like, oh! I just, like, saw the, the face as it is now, and I was like, that is disturbing and perfect that's so horrifying it, it yeah. took me like you know, less no, no. than a second to make that image uh you nailed it sort of accidentally yeah yeah um it's a, it's a great meme thank you uh yeah we should po- i don't think we've posted it on our channels yet no so it's just a little but, deep I mean, too you know it's yeah. no one no one will get it um no now that we've talked about it maybe maybe yeah, um, yeah we'll post it on our patreon you can go and see it um but look 
We have rambled and ranted about how it's much we hate the ABC so long that we're starting to sound like friendly Geordies himself. So uh, we will move on to telling you all about what our dogs have been up to this week. But mm-hmm. before that, please sit through one or two minutes of business at the business end of the podcast. Yeah, so if you like the show, if you enjoyed our rambles, you can support us financially by going over to patreon.com forward slash Snackpod. And if you give us a dollar a month, you'll get your monthly bonus episode. Uh, plus, you get access to Discord and higher higher donations will give you more rewards. Um, you can also help us non-financially in whatever way you have relevant skills. If you've got graphic design skills or if you, you want to run our website for us or whatever, just hit us up uh, and we can send you, you know... Um, links to our bonus episodes as an exchange. Um, you can also leave a review, which is a really lovely way to help us. Um, the best ones are on uh, Apple Podcasts, but also whatever podcast app you use or, or Facebook. And in fact, we have a Facebook review this week. We do. We got a Facebook review this week from Aiden, who was also the listener who pointed out that I was wrong about Slater and Gordon this week. So and who often fact checks us. So thank you very much for that, Aiden. It's a valuable frequently. service. Yeah. 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 Doing it for free. Thank you very much. Aiden recommends Ospol Snackpot on Facebook. Even better a podcast than that of Sir Frendel Jordan's and substantially less reactionary. What a treat. Oh, that's nice. We Thank do you, try Aiden. to be not too reactionary. Yeah. We do our best in that regard. Mm. Um, yeah, we love reviews and Patreon as well if uh, you want to support us that way. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. And now as a treat for sitting through the business. Now it's time for a birthday. Yeah, so what's been going on with Dante? Um, so I mentioned last week that Dante had a little injury on his mm, paw, mm. that he had cracked one of his paw pads open and he had to have his cone on all week. My partner Holly and I figured that this was partially because, you know, it's been hot lately and the pavement is warm. And so that will, you know, may have been, uh, making his little paw pads all dry and cracky. Mm. <laughs> so Holly decided to put some balm on oh, no. Dante's little paws um, so she like balmed up his feet and, and then we put him to bed and then I came down to do a wee like mm-hmm. 20 minutes later mm-hmm. and Dante had just left these greasy little balm paw prints just like all over the house. Like he was sitting innocently on the couch, but like had clearly while we were upstairs, just been like pottering about sniffing at the front door, just like a trail of prints all throughout the house, which is extremely cute. Um, but the next day. I was making dinner and I was looking around the kitchen for the olive oil and I couldn't find it. And I was like, there's where the fuck could the olive oil be? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then a voice in the back of my head reminded me that uh, Holly sometimes uses oil for like. Moisturizing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't do any kind of skincare, so I'm a little hazy on how exactly it works, but Holly might sometimes use the, the olive oil. So I like poked my head into the living room and I was like, do you have the olive oil? And she was like, yeah, here it is. And uh, she had been uh, doing something with the oil in the living room. And I was like, oh, cool, cool. Uh, so I grabbed the oil and went and, went and made dinner. And then I went over to the fridge and I looked down and there were these oily footprints <laughs> all, over the, all over the floor and especially clustered around the fridge. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> clearly Holly had been <laughs> like the oil on moisturizing. Well, she, no, she, they were holly footprints. Oh, right. <laughs> she, Hilarious. So she'd been oiling up her, her feet. I get maybe like she saw Dante getting his feet bombed and was like, I want that, that actually looks really yeah, good. Yeah. yeah and puts a, and oiled up her feet. And so like Holly and Dante just taking after one another again 
Adorable. both leaving these <laughs> little prints, these little tracks all throughout the house. It was just very funny to happen. <laughs> that should happen uh, one day after the other. I basically couldn't sleep that night because mm. I kept thinking about it and bursting out laughing. <laughs> Holly being like, you thinking about my oily feet again? <laughs> it's very funny. She, I definitely have the permission to talk about this, by cool. the way. Nice, just in nice. case anyone's wondering. Nice. Oh, well, I don't have a real great bagel one. Um, he's been very reluctant to go for walks. It's just been too damn hot. Um, yeah. And like, fair brutal. enough. I've been walking barefoot recently because that's my jam. Um, but yeah, so like, I... I but... I feel like it's good dog ownership because I step out and I'm like, ow, my feet are sore. <laughs> but yeah. then I then I dictate our walks based on that because Bagel never wears shoes. So anyway, yeah, uh, I, I do worry about his little paws, but he hasn't got an, an injury yet. Um, yeah, no, he's just That's been a good. good boy. He he got really freaked out about a dog that was like, like literally at the other end of a park from us. We weren't in the park. They weren't in the park at the other side. And Bagel was just like, <laughs> I'm a fucking kill him! I'm a fucking kill him! And I was like, dude, that... he has it. Like, <laughs> how did you There's see nothing... him? There's nothing that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, One anyway. of the things that I really wish Dante understood was the phrase, There's nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked Bro, before about what you, on, what you would say if yeah. they could understand you for 30 seconds or whatever. I'm sure I would say something like, Actually, everyone really likes you and isn't trying to hurt me or you. So just, yeah. it'll be fine. I'll it's tell all, you if you need to cool. be worried. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. chill. Yep. Just chill. Yeah. All right. Cool. That'll do us for this week, I reckon. Good one. Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. Um, we you, appreciate your Zach, support. Hope you like this slightly looser, less information-dense, and slightly less dark episode. Mm. We wanted to do, uh, you know, we want to do a post-heavy episode for the posters out there. Yeah. Make sure you keep on posting in the free world. Fuck friendly, Jodies. Crunch, crunch. 